So you want to create a course, but you're not quite sure what should be in it. Should it be an ECS offer? Should it be a signature course? I mean, you don't want to give people too little, but you don't want to overwhelm them, but you want them to complete it and you want them to get results. <sighs> don't worry. Today's interview is going to take care of all of that. You're listening to Inbox Besties, the only little guy approved podcast that gives you dangerously practical advice for turning internet randos into subscribers with benefits. You know, the kind that pop open their wallets and throw fistfuls of cash at you for your courses and, and coaching, not like that other stuff. Perf. Now let's get to it. What is up, my inbox besties, besties? Kate Doster here of katedoster.com, and welcome to our first interview of 2020 because I do want to bring back more guest interviews on the show, highlight some more voices, talk about some other expertise that I might not necessarily be the cream of the crop at. And when I was thinking about planning out our content for January, obviously we talked about list building, we've got more email marketing episodes coming up. I realized that most people do email marketing and list building so they can sell but you need something to sell. But it can be really overwhelming when you are trying to create a value-packed course that isn't overwhelming. And I am definitely 100% guilty of that. Uh, love your list. Hello. Which is why I wanted to bring on the one and only Emily Walker. So Emily Walker is actually a education design experience. This is what she actually did in her nine to five job before transitioning in it to freelance work, which she has been completely booked out, honestly, since about, I think the fifth month, as you'll hear in the interview of her going solo. And what I really love about her is that she doesn't believe that there are any necessarily cookie cutter type formulas. Yes, there are best practices that you're going to hear about in the show to really ensure that your students are getting the biggest bang for their buck when it comes to your course, but really she knows that you need to do what's ultimately best for you. So in this interview, we talk about which is actually better, structuring your course with a week one, week two, or like a thing one, thing two. We talk about when you are ready to actually start getting things down on paper and outlining your course, what you should be doing first. We are going to be talking about if you should drip out your content, meaning people only get one week at a time or not. We're going to talk about the difference between having small, as she calls them, like pocket or easy ass offers versus more mini courses versus a more transformative signature course. We're going to talk a little bit about price ranges. We got it all. So without further ado, let's go ahead and talk to Emily Walker. All right, guys, like I had said in the intro, I am super excited to be talking to Emily all about how to structure your courses and your group programs so your students actually get success. Because I know it's been on your bucket list since 2019 to actually get your signature product out there. But with everything that happened in 2020, you might have lost steam. And I know one of the things that I think holds back all of us course creators is, will my students be able to get results? And, you know, being able to find that line between giving too much for the sake of giving or giving not enough. And then people are like, boo, this stinks. So we brought in Emily, who is an educational expert, who is going to help you design a course or group coaching program that is actually going to get people results. So Emily, I can go on and on about you as one of your own clients, but why don't you go ahead and introduce us and tell us about your business? Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Like you said, we're going to dive into some really juicy things so that people can finally get their program out there in the world. No more excuses. No more feeling like you're just tripping and falling on the hurdles that are put in front of you when you try to put a program out there. We're going to share some really good stuff today. Um, so I am a course creation expert. I go by lots of different names, lots of different titles, learning designer, transformation architect, Amber Ray calls me her course doula. 
I am all about helping you get that brilliant idea, that transformation-driven experience out of your head and out there into the world, whether that's in the shape of a course, a group program, a pocket product, you name it. I love designing learning experiences of all shapes and sizes. Um, I got my start in the very traditional boring way. I started in the corporate world, so I was doing learning <laughs> design for governments, for corporations, for universities, and some of it was super fun. I got to design uh, e-learning all about how to save the whales. And I also had to design a training course on all the types of positive materials, which was not so fun. So once I discovered the beautiful Narnia that was the online entrepreneurship world, I left the corporate world behind and definitely never looked back. (laughs) Was it hazardous materials you said? Hazardous materials. It was for a local marine company. And it was like all the different types of mold, all the different ways they hide asbestos in their ships, like all of these things. It was just like, I was just horrified and there was pictures that came with every single one and the workbooks were like 3000 pages long. Like it was ridiculous. Oh my goodness. So did you go like, is your degree in like some form of education, like early childhood or like secondary or like, what is your degree? And like, how did you stumble into this? I always say that I face planted into it. So I actually was doing a master's degree in French literature and art because I was (laughs) going to be a French teacher And so my thesis had nothing to do with learning though. It had, um, I studied fallen angels, um, Mm -hmm. in particular in like 19th century French art. It's like the most niche topic, (laughs) but I could still talk about it forever. And when I was doing, you know, my courses and learning about like how I'd be teaching French and I was also teaching at the university and I was like, wow, there's certain elements of this that I love, but the idea of spending a career in public education, teaching kids there was just like a part of my soul that was like, don't do it. This isn't meant for you. And so while I was starting to like get those little whispers of like, this is not your path, I just had a really good series of serendipitous events where I ran into a friend's mom from kindergarten and I was talking to her about like my career crisis. And she was like, well, I designed training for these local corporations and my partner's going on that leave. Like, do you want to come help me out? I was like, Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> and so I got my start with her. And that's where I got introduced to the world of learning design. And I was like, I love this. I love this so much. Oh, man. So what I actually love and why I wanted to have, you know, Emily in particular on here talking about like creating courses and products and all of that sort of stuff, you know, we talk about it here is because you are a learning education expert. I feel like it's not just like you've created like some of your own courses, like kind of trial by fire. You're like, oh, this worked for students. This didn't work. But like you actually like this is what you did for a living was getting adults to learn. So before we dive in, because I know that you guys are all wondering, like, how do we actually like framework our course? What should be included? All of that sort of stuff. I would have loved to know because we're humans here on Inbox Besties. If you could think back to a time in this business, whether it was getting started, whether it was recently like having to deal with a VA or noise or something, when was there a point in your business when you were just like, it might be easier to work at McDonald's than do this? (laughs) Oh my goodness. I love this question so much. Um, Yeah, it's a very crystal clear memory for me. So how I started making the transition to working um, as a contractor and working with these corporations and then moving into running my own business is I actually worked part-time um, at my local university doing learning design, designing their certification program while I was building up my own clientele. And so the year I decided to leave the university, I gave them lots of notice, I gave them six months notice. And I was like, this is great. I booked out with clients. This is awesome. I'm ready. I can make this leap. Let's do it. And then three months before my contract was supposed to end with the university, my clients all dried up. 
And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, maybe this is just like the summer. Like, this is fine. Like, I've been booked out all year. Like, this is going to be okay. And, you know, one month went by, two months went by. And all of a sudden, it was the end of my contract with the university. I had no clients booked. I hadn't had any clients for three months. And I was like freaking out. And I was so close. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to just ask them to keep me on. Like, I can't do this. And then I was like, no, no. Like, I owe it to myself. Like, I could always get another job later. Like, try it out. And I was like, so confident. I was like, I'm going to get those clients. And then another month went by, no clients. <laughs> and so I think my, my moment was when I was like, I'm going to apply on Upwork to be a freelancer. I was like, you can be a freelancer, what's called instructional designers, like the technical firm. I was like, then I can just like get some clients and like keep myself afloat. And I got rejected from Upwork because I guess I like put myself in the wrong category. I think they saw designer and thought I was a graphic designer. And they're like, we have too many of those. And so I just remember having this complete meltdown on the couch being like, I have no clients, even Upwork doesn't want me. Like my partner came home and I was like, like I, I was all proud of myself for coming up with this like plan. I was like, this, this Upwork plan was brilliant. And I said to him, I was like, look, look, I was going to do, but they rejected me. And my partner was looking at me and he said like, Emily, stop trying to find reasons not to live in your purpose. And I was just like, oh, he was like, he's like, you left the university so that you could go all in on your business. And like my partner and I are both like pretty woo. And he was just like, you're sending out all these signals of like desperation and you're trying to find other reasons not to just like work with your clients. So he was like, it's time to get aligned and like stop finding excuses. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And, and, um, I like I swear like this is gonna like sound really woo but like I didn't change anything that I was doing and I booked a client a week later and ever since then I've been booked out so it's um yeah it was definitely a low crying on the couch moment but we all we all go through it (laughs) 100% we do and I agree um with everything you said y'all know that we're woo here on this show as well but I do think that having that air of like desperation it has to work like really like clenching onto something very hard people can just sort of sense that energy and they can sense the desperation just like you know that cheesy guy that like always tries to hit on you or that cheesy girl and you're just like oh god no like this is like wrong so I think the energetics and mindset plays a huge huge part in people's success so Mm -hmm. we have decided 2021 is the year we are going to get our course up and running should we start with like a signature course, that thing that's been on our heart, or should we start with a smaller, like easy yes offer? Ooh, excellent question. So what you're going to notice is every question you ask me probably from here on out, I'm going to answer with, it depends (laughs) to start (laughs) with, because I always say like, there is no one formula. There is no one pathway. Like everyone's business is a little bit different. The thing that I like to say when just deciding between like the easy yes offer or the signature offer is tends to be if you're coming out of being a service provider and how many clients you've worked with and what people have been asking for. So I find people that are in that, like they're over the six figure marks or maybe multi six figure. They've worked with so many clients and they know their people really well that they know they can put out a signature offer. And not only they know what needs to go in it and kind of roughly what the transformation needs to be, but they know that they have an audience that's like, yes, give this to me. Versus if you're like, maybe not quite there yet. And it's not always tied to revenue. Sometimes it's tied with list size, it's tied with how many people you've worked with, how well you know your audience. An easy yes offer can be a really good way to kind of dip your toes in the water, find out like what your people need. You know, maybe you frame the easy yes offer in a certain way, but then once people are in, you get some feedback, they're like, oh, they're asking for this thing or they want to learn more about this. And it can be a really good way to kind of experiment and play while still getting that cash injection. So what is the difference between, and I think that you would call them um, 
pocket products or something as well. So like, what is the big difference between like a signature offer versus something that's sort of smaller? Like, is it smaller because it's less stuff in it? Or like, how does that work? How do you differentiate? Yeah, so I like to divide courses specifically up into three kind of different types. And it really is by kind of size or depth of transformation, really. So when I say like size of a course, I don't necessarily mean how many workbooks and how many slides it has. I mean by the, yeah, the depth of the transformation that's within it. So whether it's a pocket product, tiny offer, micro offer, they go by lots of different names. Those are the ones that we see floating around that $27, $47, people drive mm -hmm. Facebook ads to them. And they tend to be, um, I like to think of them more as toolkits. So there might be like a little bit of learning, some more done for you things, some swipe files, some templates, that type of thing. Then we move up into, I call them mini courses. So these are the ones that sit around or under the $500 range. Um, they tend to have a little bit more teaching, a little bit more things in them. But the transformation tends to be something that's more teaching like a technical skill or like teaching a new software or that type of thing. And then we move up into the signature courses, which tend to be, you know, anywhere from over $500 to $2,000 or more, you know, it depends on your business and what you're offering. But these are the ones that have a more deep transformation. So whether it's like a coaching program or you're helping guiding people through um, mindset work or whether you're teaching people your signature framework, it, it really tends to be a deeper transformation and more um, actions required. So that tends to be um, including like more materials, more workbooks, that type of thing, but not always. So what do you mean by a deeper transformation? So when I think of a depth of transformation, to me, it is how quick it happens and how much it kind of like revolutionizes your world. And so I'm thinking it's the difference between so for instance, I don't know why I always come to Instagram as like my, my example when I'm talking about courses, but we would have okay. like a micro offer that is, you know, helping people specifically with hashtags, how to find them, how to use them. Here's some done for you sets, like let's grab them, let's go. And then you could have a mini course. It's like, okay, here's how to dial your feed. Here's how to kind of like create some posts that work really nicely. And then when you move up into a signature course, it could be like, here's an entire Instagram strategy. Here is how to build your business using Instagram. Here's how to sell. So the depth of transformation or the bigger transformation comes from like, I'm giving you some little like nice, delicious bite-sized things. I am moving up into, I'm giving you some strategies, some tactics you can take to, I am giving you everything that you need that is going to revolutionize your business world. It might shift the way that you think radically. It's really going to change how you show up in the world. And so I know at least like I'm making it sound very cut and dry, but again, because learning experiences come in all shapes and sizes, you might have a course that's a bit smaller that still has that like life-changing, like world-rocking <laughs> transformation <laughs> for some people. It really depends on your subject area and what you're teaching. Right. So I... I absolutely love that definition because that's what I was trying to think of too. I'm like, okay, like, I feel like, like toolkit, like I'm like that, like we can get behind because that's what we do too. When we teach EZS offers, it's usually something toolkit based and then a little bit of say like your face or like that little sort of something extra. And then it was like the difference between a signature course and a mini course. And I know that you're going to say that this depends and we're going to get onto structuring the content in a second. But do you feel that people need to have a signature course like oh you need to be known from this you can have like maybe even like a couple of mini courses but mainly it's like this is the main thing that you're driving people to and here are like a couple of like toolkits like what is your thought 
or what have you seen with your clients? Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a very controversial. I told her I wasn't going to do any gotcha journalism. Um, like Joan Calamezzo on definitely am because <laughs> I know that that's what a lot of people are worried about is do I need to just have one? Can I have a lot? Just all of that. Yeah. So my thing is always that it needs to start with you and the life you want, which is, which helps you define the business that you want. I think there can be, you know, we always hear a lot of noise about like, this is the right way to do it. Have, you know, one, one coach might be preaching that have one signature offer. That's it. Nothing else. It's the only thing you talk about. Another person might be saying, have an ascension model that has five offers in it and you move through them. At the end of the day, you can make any strategy in any, I call them offer ecosystems, how all your different offers work together. You can make your offer ecosystem look however you want. It really starts with how do you like to work with people? What's the life that you want to be living? And how do you want your business to support that life? So for instance, if you are like, you know what, I find live calls super draining. I don't really want to be supporting the community. I just want to have some passive status, let's sit there and you know, a couple months or once a year, I update them. But other than that, I don't do much. Then I would probably say having like one or two smaller, you know, maybe it's a pocket product and a mini course or something like that that can just kind of sit there and you can drive your traffic to you and do your marketing for, that's probably going to work really well for you. Versus if you're like, I really am committed to bringing my people through an entire journey. And I know if I try to sh- like shove that all into one course, it's going to be a detriment to them. Then you might want to have multiple courses that fit together in a way that guide people on, on a certain path. And that might be more of an ascension model. So for me personally, I don't have just one signature offer, like one course, and that's it. I like the idea of giving people smaller experiences that get them a really clear result, but then they can graduate into something different, or they can have a toolkit that supports them. Because I also know that I complement my offers with my one-to-one offers as well, so that everything kind of works together and serves my people the way that they need to be served, but also the way that I like to show up in my business. Um, but I know some people are like the idea of having multiple offers feels super draining and I just want to have one to which I say that's totally okay. So I love what you're saying about how you have to sort of know thyself, which we talk a lot about here on the show. So it's always nice to, always nice to hear back the echo is correct, but I really love what you had said about making sure that you are very clear on the result that somebody gets. So when it comes down to maybe we're still we're still trying to figure out like, say where we're at. If we're, I feel like if you want to do a toolkit, you kind of sort of know where that cutoff is, but say that you're in the middle of like, do I want this to be like a mini course in my head? Do I want this to be something a little bit bigger or like the thing? How should we go about sitting down, trying to figure out what content should go in there? What is like the first like couple of steps that we should do? Yeah. So you touched on a great point where there's kind of a couple different ways of approaching when you're creating a learning experience. One can be deciding the container first, like it's a mini course or it's a signature course mm-hmm. or it's a group program, whatever it may be, or you can decide the transformation. So in the case of deciding the transformation, I like to do an exercise I call journey mapping, where we find out where our people are before they engage with that offer. So what does their life look like? What does their business look like? How are they feeling? You know, getting really clear on their starting point. And then thinking at the end of our offer, at the end of this transformation we want to provide for them, now how have things changed? What does their life look like? What skills do they have? What knowledge do they have? How are things different? Because we think of our offer as a path that we're literally building step by step at their feet from where they are to where we want to get them to. 
And the thing is, is once we start getting really clear on that journey, on that scoping, that gives us a really clear idea of the transformation. And we, if we start thinking about, okay, what are the actions that our people need to take to be able to get from essentially point A to point B? That will tell you how big your course is, because that's why I always say, start with action, don't start with knowledge, don't start with information, because action is what's going to move the needle for your people. It's what's going to get them to that transformation. So if you realize that you're like looking at this journey that you have mapped out and you're like writing down the action steps and they're huge, chances are either you have a signature course on your hand or you might have multiple courses and you have to look at your journey and go, okay, maybe there's actually a midway point that I can break this up for people. Cause you don't want to have something that's like so long that people are like, oh my goodness, I'm never going to finish. This is so overwhelming. <laughs> so that's where you kind of can start with the journey versus if you kind of know what the container is going to be, you know, it's going to be a mini course, you know, it's going to be a signature course. Then you can, I still say do a journey map. But you can kind of look at this full transformation you're taking people on and go, okay, these first five steps, this is what I'm focusing on for my course. Would you rather crawl across glass naked or have to stand in line at the DMV with Taco Bell tummy? You know what I'm talking about. Then actually have to write an email to your list. I mean, you don't want to come off too salesy and what if you're boring and you don't want to add to all of the noise. And somehow every single week, besides the cold sweat, you bust out with being finger tied, you know, instead of tongue tied because you're actually typing. Don't you just wish that you could just magically snap your fingers and almost have somebody else write your emails for you? Well, that's exactly what you're gonna get when you invest in the Email Marketing Fairy. The Email Marketing Fairy template set is over 50 grab and go newsletters, welcome series, and even an 11 part sales funnel that you can use as an amazing jumping off point to actually write emails that connect with your audience, get replies, and most importantly, get those buy buttons hit. And all you need to do to get your hands on this, along with almost $100 worth of free bonuses, is by heading on over to TheEmailMarketingFairy.com. That's right, head on over to TheEmailMarketingFairy.com and you will never have to awkwardly tell your list, hey, I know it's been a while, ever again. I absolutely love that about starting with the actions and starting with the transformation and then seeing again, how in depth that you are going to go. I know one of the reasons why we had chatted is I was like, I love, love your list. It's the best, but some people get extremely overwhelmed because like email marketing as a whole. And I'm sure that a lot of people feel like this, especially when they're an expert in the industry where it's like, but it touches so many things like in order to get this system up and running and constantly doing everything. It's a business. Like it's a whole business in your inbox. And so it can be really hard to sort of draw the line. So when you're dealing with your clients or your students, cause I know that you have a new course that's coming out, which is very, very exciting stuff, guys, where do you help them sort of figure out where to draw the line of this is too much or this is not enough? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is where, first of all, really relying on your intuition is like so key because you know, you know, when it's too much, we all have that thing. We're like, I'm going to put this in there. And then you hear that little voice that's like, your team is overkill. This is too much. But again, bringing it back to the action. So when we think about that, that end result that we want to get people and being really crystal clear and we go, okay, this is the goal of my course is to get them this result, to get them this transformation. And now we ask, what are the actions they need to take to get that result? When we are looking at the journey, very often when we're thinking about what should we add in, we can go, okay, is this a need to know, which is absolutely essential 
that they need to know this, that they need to do this to get this result? Or is this kind of a nice to know it's a, it's, you know, a little bit on the periphery, probably not, that they need it necessarily? In that case, I would say like, when in doubt, cut it out. Because I would way rather you have slightly less actions, it's super crystal clear, people are getting to that result, than feeling like, okay, but like maybe this is a nice to know and like it might help them. Just like, nope, just cut it out. If you really need it, if you're feeling like, oh, Emily, that's so mean, then you can put it in a bonus that unlocks once they're done at the end of the course. The thing I always say is like, you don't have to teach your people everything. If you are wanting to like draw a line somewhere, like we were talking about, like, okay, like with like emails and like mailing your list and like all of these things, it's a huge thing is you need these sales pages set up. You need to know what you're actually sending them in their email. You need to know what their freebie is, all that stuff. It's totally okay to say, the scope, the focus of this course is this specific result. So let's just say it's sending your people emails that they're going to love. It's treating them with respect. Like this is the goal of the course. So you say the focus of the course is not, you know, a welcome sequence, for instance. And so what we can say is I'm not talking about this. Totally fine to say, I'm not talking about this. But <laughs> if you want to right, learn everyone. about it, here's where you can go. And my thing is I'll say like, Say what you're not talking about right at the beginning of the welcome of your course. Say, this is the focus of the course. This is how I'm going to get you there. This is what I'm not talking about. If you need this, go here. And now that's a great chance for you to cross-pollinate with your other offers to say like, oh, by the way, I have this kit that answers this question if you need it. Or you can point into a blog post, point to a free resource, point to an affiliate resource, whatever it is. To say like, tell them where to find it, but you don't always have to include it in your course. Yes, I absolutely. Love that. I think that is just so, so smart and so exciting. And I know that's always something like poor Emily. <laughs> Again, I hired Emily because I'm like pulling tape and it's like all the time. Like, Kate, is that nice to know? I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, <"Are> you- <laughs> is this a need to know? I'm like, probably not, but it would be good. <laughs> and I think that that can be a real, a real struggle for people because we just want them to be able to succeed. Now, have you found that certain formats or structures when it comes to these containers work better than others, if that makes any sense? So like, is it better, I guess, to have like, like what I'm thinking about is like, say like I'm sitting down to create a signature offer or even a beefy mini course as you like to call them. So a mid-tier cart thing. When you're sitting down to create the content and you're sitting to go with actions, should you go with something like, oh, well, step one would be this, step two would be this, step three would be this, or is it more of like a time-based thing, like week one or month one, which one have you seen personally get more student like success and actually taking action? So it depends on the topic of the course for sure it's my favorite answer it depends um so for instance whenever you can I do like um time-based structures not in the sense of it unlocks because for the most part I don't love drip style courses because adults really really love and kind of need to be in charge of their own learning so I find that like courses that unlock over time unless you are very specific about why they are unlocking so I I only recommend this usually for like coaching programs where they need to sit with the homework for a couple of weeks. Otherwise I'm like, just give it to them all at once. They'll figure it out. But when I say a time-based course, I really mean, for instance, like when I was working with Krista Miller from Summit in the Box, there's a very clear timeline that goes with creating an online summit. So Mm -hmm. we're like, how can we structure this so that we're telling them exactly what they need to be doing 90 days from their summit, exactly what they need to be doing 60 days from their summit. 
when you can give them that container, it really helps people feel more relaxed because it's, it's going, okay, I know there's a million things that you're thinking about right now. You don't need to think about that yet. Trust me, I got you. I'm not going to like make you forget about them or anything like that. All you need to do is put your blinders on and focus on this first 30 days. So I find whenever you can tell people, this is what we're focusing on now. This is how it connects to the bigger picture of the course. And this is what's coming up, but don't stress about it. I'll get there. It really allows them to be present and focus on what they need to be learning or what they need to be doing in that moment because they, they're not, their brain's not going, what's coming next? What about this? What about this piece? And all of a sudden they're like goldfish braining onto all the other things they need to be doing. So that's where I really love kind of like a, a time-based thing if it connects to the topic of the course. Now, if it's something more where it's like, okay, this is just what you need to do. Start here with step one, step two, step three. That's also a really successful structure. Really, the, the commonalities between all successful course structures is people are always crystal clear on what they need to be doing. There's never any confusion of like, oh, there's like, you just gave me 10 different things to think about, but I don't actually know what I need to do with that information. That's probably like one of the biggest course creation sins I see out there is people just like fire hosing their people with information. And then like at the end of like three modules, they're like, oh, by the way, you need to like go do all of this stuff now. Instead of being like, all you need to do is this one action step, it's going to take you 20 minutes. Okay, next module, here's your action step to do, like making it really, really clear. I absolutely love all of that. And I'm glad that you weaved in because I, one of my next questions was, do you think that people, especially when they're doing courses, if it should be like dripped out? Now, I know like some marketers will tell you, oh, like you need to do it because if people can get access to everything, they'll have a refund. I personally, and I know you're with me in that. I'm like, that's just a scarcity mindset. Like you wouldn't believe it's like, no, that's, that's not the way things work, but okay. That's what you want to believe. So I love that you had said, just like, give it to them all at once, have some type of structure, unless it's a group program, because I do believe that there is power in everyone's doing this this week. Everyone's doing this next week, but they're two different types of experiences. So that's where it makes sense. So I absolutely love that so much. So we've decided kind of where we're going. How can we get this? idea of a course usually it's like topics like oh I'm going to teach something about productivity or about meal planning or about this how can we sort of get our stuff out of our heads so we can start actually arranging things in orders do you have any tips for that mm -hmm. so it all comes back to that that first step of the journey mapping so like once you know okay I'm let's, I'm talking about meal planning let's just say so you kind of have your topic I'm hoping by this point you've chatted with your audience so you know what sort of pain points or issues they're having. Because once you know where they are in their journey, like is it that they don't even know they need to be meal planning? Is it they know they need to be meal planning, but they're like, they have no idea where to start? Kind of figuring out what it is that your audience is struggling with. Now you've done a journey map to figure out, okay, so I want them to walk away knowing how to meal plan. They're going to have some recipes. They're going to have the equipment they need. They're going to be able to create a system, whatever it is. You're really clear on that outcome. That's where the brain dump of all those action steps come from. Now, some people like to do this on post-it notes. I also just like doing it with like text boxes on like a Google slides if you want to be a little more eco-friendly. Something that allows you to move your ideas around. Because in the beginning, I, I always compare it to Marie Kondoing. Like before you organize your closet, you need to like dump everything out to see what you're dealing with and what action needs to be there and what can go. And so I like to start by brain dumping all the action steps. And now this is really, really important. This mm -hmm. is not stuff that you're teaching. 
This is not content, it's not information, like meal planning is essential. You need to focus on what your people are doing. So the secret here is to start with a verb. Is it that they are going to schedule time to meal plan? Is it that they are going to talk to their partner about meal planning? Is it that they are going to choose their five favorite recipes? The secret here is to use an action word so you're really clear on what they're doing. Once you have all of your actions mapped out, like all of them brain dumped out, you'll start to see ones that go together. Like, okay, well, they can't make their recipes if they haven't chosen their recipes. So you can start kind of sequencing and playing with things. There's a super sexy instructional design term called chunking, which is where you Ooh. take the action steps and you put them together in chunks of what seems to go together. And then once you have your chunks, then you can start sequencing. And you'll see it actually with the actions, it's a lot easier than with content. Because with content, we're like, well, it all is important and it all seems to go together and I don't know which comes first. So with action, it's like, it's very clear, you know, can I do this action without taking anything, without doing anything else before it? Yes, okay, probably at the beginning. Oh, can I take this action yet? No, because I need to do this other thing first. So then you know what needs to come before it. It's a very um, helpful way of pulling something that's kind of like a mushy mashed potato in your brain out into a chunk sequence, like chronological flow. So I'm like writing down all these things. I think the the biggest thing, and I think when we definitely do our takeover the episode, it's going to be that starting with the verb for the brain dump. Because I know, even though you've said repeatedly, like go with the action, go with the action. To me, I always resort back to those nouns of like, okay, like freebie, landing page, this, or, you know, organize your fridge, see what your family likes. You know what I mean? Like you always sort of start with those things. But when you're doing your brain dump with the actual verb, I think that it, it gets people there. So mm-hmm. I know that our time is running up, but I do have to ask this one question. And I know you're going to say that it depends, but is there any particular style of course or product that seems to do best for people? Meaning like things that are video based or audio based or like having worksheets, not having worksheets, like what have, I mean, it, they're all different types of learners, but what have you found from doing this professionally, from helping other people's that you have found assets that really help people implement and get everything that they need. Mm -hmm. So it's a balance of what your learner needs and how you like to show up as the leader, as the expert. So for instance, when it comes to courses, I always say like having a mixture, like I want to see your face on video just a little bit. Like you don't have to do everything on video, um, but it really helps create that human connection when it's not just like a slide and like someone like Charlie Brown in the background being like, wah, 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 wah. Like if they can see your face, like it's, it can be really quite powerful. Now, I personally don't like purely audio courses because I find it is very hard for people to take action because with, you know, we all, it all comes back to how do we help them take action? So when it is purely audio, we want to make sure that they can still be really crystal clear on when that audio stops and when they need to go take action. So that's why I like to have a mix of audio, of video, of workbooks, of tools always asking yourself, how can I make my learner's life easier? So if I need them to take an action, can I give them swipe file? Can I give them a template? Can I give them a Mad Lib style to fill in? Like no one is ever going to be like, oh my goodness, you made this course way too easy for me. Like they're like, oh, here, you make my life easier. Like no one's going to complain about that. So when it comes to the formatting, it's always thinking like, what's going to be the easiest for them to use? What's going to be the easiest for them to digest? What's going to be the easiest for them to implement? So thinking about, you know, bite-sized videos, 
really keeping things short, sweet, making it sure that if you're explaining the concept, maybe it needs a visual to make sure there's a visual there for them to understand. Again, it's, it's so dependent on your course content. The flip side of things is also thinking about how do you like to show up? So I know for a lot mm. of people, like showing up on video is like really scary. It can be really hard. <laughs> and that's why it's exact opposite of me I'm like yeah video woo oh I'm the same way I'm like all the video all the things if you make me write I'll start crying um so I (laughs) I personally love video but I know it's a conversation that I have a lot with my clients they're like for instance like what I hear a lot is like oh do I have to have slides I hate making slides I'm like no, <laughs> you don't. I'm like, you know, if there's like- You don't have to have graphic. slides. Hold on. I need, I need to back this one up. So you're telling me I don't need to have slides and people will still be able to comprehend things? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't need to have slides. I will say like, if there's like a really key visual, like if you're doing your video and you can like overlay the graphic, in, if this is a podcast, you can't see I'm waving my hands next to me. <laughs> but if you can overlay the graphic next to you, that's how I do all my courses. I personally find slides like really do I need to create. Part of it is because I used to do graphic design. So I get like really like obsessive about how pretty things are. And I'm like, no, I want to show up. I want people to see my energy. I want them to hear how I connect and how I teach. And then if there's something really important for them to see, I'll just like float it over my video. But you don't need slides. If you want slides, if they make you feel more comfortable, it's great. My one request is please don't do PowerPoint karaoke where you write everything you're going to say on the slide and then your video is just you reading the slide because that's not uh. engaging. That's not fun. <laughs> but it comes down to how do you want to show up? So I asked one of my clients, they're like, they're like oh, I don't know. I just, like, you're, I'm getting so much resistance around the idea of recording this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, if I told you there were no rules, what would you do? They're like, I'd probably just set up my whiteboard and record myself like drawing stuff on my whiteboard. And I was like, then do that. (laughs) There are no rules, really. Like there can be like guidelines. I can make requests. I can kind of tell you how your people like to learn. But at the end of the day, if you're forcing yourself to show up in a way that's not fun, that's not enjoyable for you, that energy is going to come through in your course. And people are going to be like, I don't know why, but I'm like, don't want to be watching this video or I don't want to be listening to this right now. Probably because you're sitting there just like crying inside because you're doing something you don't love. Oh, there was one course in particular that I had to listen to on 2x speed. And even then it was boring as crap because, and this is, this is another highly debated thing. And then I'll let you go. I feel like the person was reading word for word off a script. And I think that people do not get that there is a difference between the cadence and the way somebody talks versus reading that I feel makes a huge difference. Like all of y'all, cause you guys are smart. All of you know, the podcast that was somebody reading off their blog post. It just doesn't sound like a person. It reads fine, but it doesn't sound like a person. So how do you feel about scripting your content? Are you a bullet point person or a, you're an expert? You should know this stuff. Or do you allow your clients to script things out just so they'll get things done? So this is where it comes down to, I think, your ease of talking about things and how organized you are. So what I find is with my clients, by the time we've gone through the full course design process, they know their course so inside and out. We've broken things down into like such small bite-sized pieces. Because again, like I don't want you to have really long videos, like 10 minutes max per lesson. So it's like you should be able to break this up into smaller pieces to make it a lot easier. So what I do for my videos, I don't script things. I've, I've got bullets. And I just give myself intentional breaks where I design my lessons in a way where it's like, okay, I'm talking about, you know, let's say five key things you need to know about course creation before you start creating your course. 
and I will say something like, okay, part one, and I know what I'm going to say. So I kind of free speak it. I do it. I don't have my, my script or anything. And then I give myself a nice big pause so that if I mess up, all I have to do is re-record that one spot. And then I just put overlays on my video to break it up. Because that's the other thing that's thinking about how you're going to edit this stuff. Like you don't want to have to go back and be like editing out if you're going to be stuttering every few sentences. Now, I will say in the brief time that I had a podcast, which is no longer active, but I had one for a while, I scripted my podcast, but I did it in a very different way where I free spoke an episode, recorded it, got it transcribed, and then built my script off of how I spoke. So it was a trend. It wasn't like written out like a blog post. And then I rewrite it because I didn't want to have to edit my podcast without the time. And if you're very intentional about how you script things so that it sounds like how a human talks and not how a human writes. And you make sure that when you're reading your script, you're having your cadences changing, you're still sounding like a live human. Then I'd say if it's going to make you feel more calm and more relaxed about, you know, reading off of um, um, teleprompter, almost forgot the word there, um, then I think it's totally fine. It's just making sure that, again, you're giving yourself what you need to feel comfortable and confident showing up, but not so much that you're going to start sounding like a robot. Gotcha. 100%. So do you have any parting words for everyone, all of our aspiring course creators, the people that might need to rejig theirs that you have before we say goodbye today? I think the biggest message that I want anyone to walk away with is that you get to do this your way. Like they're really, like I said, there's, there's guidelines, there's suggestions, there's principles, but at the end of the day, it is more important that you are creating a program that works for you. So whether that is choosing the style of program, whether it's like a mini course or a signature course or a group program, how you show up on video, whether it's slides, scripted, even the content and how you talk about this, your people are buying from you. They want to learn from you, which means whenever you're feeling the pressure that like, oh, this is how it has to be done. Like I, if I'm having a course, I need to have a Facebook group. If I'm you know, creating this program, I need to have Q&A calls. You don't need to have anything. You really need to show up in a way that feels good to you, have a program that feels like you, that feels exciting because you get to do this your way and that's how you serve your people the best. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Complete mic drop. So where can everybody hang out with you online? What free goodies did you have? Let us know everything. Yeah, so I love hanging out on Instagram. You can find me there at Modern Leaders Co. That's Modern Leaders Co. Feel free to slide into my DMs if you have questions, you want to connect, if you're just like loving this episode and want to say hi. I always accept pictures of people's cute pets as well. Um, That's definitely where I hang out on Instagram. And I also have a free quiz for everyone. So like I was saying, because it is so important to create something that works for you, I actually have a quiz that helps you find which type of program aligns best with your personality. So if you're like, okay, Emily, it's all great to do what works best for me, but I have no idea what works best for me. You should probably take this quiz. So you can get that emilymwalker.com slash quiz. And that will walk you through some questions so that you can get a style of program that's really going to work for you. And I also share some tips and tricks for making that program the best it possibly can be. Yay. I am so super excited. We'll make sure to link that in the show notes. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This was great. Bye. Oh man, I love, love Emily. And I could talk to her for hours. Like I said, I have personally hired her myself and it has just bring me so much clarity because even though I do this for a living, I have to say, even when I was a copywriter, 
a lot of my clients were other copywriters because sometimes you just get so into your business, you get so attached to your content, to your teaching processes, to wanting to over deliver. You really do need someone to put on the brakes. And I just absolutely love this episode. So just to recap, like Emily said, we're hoping that you have some type of audience to talk to. If not, then that's really going to be your first goal is to get on there, see the things they like, what they don't like. Realize that when you are creating your content, especially something that's video-based, as you heard, Emily said that you can do audio, but people don't necessarily pay attention, that you want to make sure that your videos are about 15 minutes absolute maximum, and you really want to be focusing on those verbs. Just don't tell people so they know things, show them and make them go do it. And I have to say that that's something that I would struggle with because y'all know that I'm an overshare and I love to share the concepts and the principles behind everything, but sometimes it's nice to have you to have somebody tell you to put the brakes on it. Again, if you've been at this for a while, then Emily says, go ahead and stick with something that's more of like a toolkit, an easiest offer, a pocket product, I believe was the term that she threw around there. And just go from there. Again, the key thing that you're really looking for is what transformation can you get for people? And honestly, what transformation can you get to them in the fastest amount of time possible? Because as you guys know, there are no rewards for watching every video for doing every cheat sheet. It's actually taking the action that those things are helping. And again, we have a link down below to Emily's quiz. If you're like, oh, Kate, like I just can't decide if my, you know, thing, my meal planning guide should be a full-fledged course or what it should be. I just don't get it. Make sure you head on over to emilywalker.com forward slash quiz. We're going to put down there again, that's emilymwalker.com forward slash quiz. And that'll help you kind of tailor make your next paid product experience. And I'll see you guys next week. Thank you for having Inbox Besties in your ear holes today. Why don't we go ahead and make it a regular thing? Go ahead and slap that subscribe button now. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and take a screenshot and tag me over on your Instagram stories, Kate underscore Doster, so that way I can give you a shout out for being a bestie of the week. Later days.